Why are people throwing things on stage? I did do some research about this last night. I've got like the objects next to each artist written down. Go, but can you sure. read through them? Well, okay, so Drake, obviously, he has had multiple incidents. The more serious one was obviously a phone, which is dangerous. But then he said at the start of his tour, I don't want to see anything but bras. And he's been, like, submerged in bras, I think, every night. <laughs> it's and that's... quite a Rod Stewart vibe, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that kind of seems like good old-fashioned fun to me. Mm. And there's been a, a bit of story where <laughs> there was the record for the biggest one. And then I think that woman has gone on podcasts and done is doing a press run Go for her. off the back of it. There was a vape, which was bad, and I think Drake picked it up and said whoever threw this has not taken their life seriously which I thought was quite that's really good yeah and then Harry Styles was an unidentified object in June some people think it might have been a rose Uh, and then Lil Nas X was sex toys and then obviously Pink that uh, you know the wheel of brie I thought was thrown but I think that's been misreported I think it was more gifted right Um, I think Maybe we can maybe we can fact check that before this goes out. Hashtag gifted on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, there was the deceased mother's ashes, I think, which that was pink as well, right? Pink, that was pink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then obviously there's the kind of Adele. No one threw anything at her, but she did brandish a t-shirt bazooka, which you know I love t-shirt bazookas. I do. I think they're an underused resource. It's a the, recurring theme on the podcast that they yeah, love t-shirt bazookas. We need more of them. Mm. They're they're hilarious. They're cool. But she was <laughs> she was strapped with a with a, a t-shirt bazooka, and she said. Um, you know, everyone's forgetting their fucking show echo at the moment. People just throwing shit on stage. Have you seen them? I fucking dare you. Dare you throw something at me. I'll fucking kill you, is what Adele said while pointing a t-shirt bazooka at our, at our fans. My name is Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to The Face Podcast recorded at Spotify HQ. So we talk a lot about being a fan on this podcast it's sort of what we do for a living at the face be excited about people and hope that you the reader or the listener will be too Uh, but there's been a lot of chatter recently particularly in music about fans going too far uh, apparently gatekeeping or bombarding artists and generally getting too involved in the personal lives of the people they follow. So to talk about it, I'm joined by Face Music Director Davey Reed, a writer, editor, author of Fangirls, Scenes from Modern Music Culture and friend of the Face, Hannah Ewans. But let's start with you, Davey. Uh, do you want to give us a quick overview of, of what's been happening recently. Yeah, I mean, this has been a massive story this year. I think we keep seeing incidents where there's been a big artist and their fans have been really, really angry and there's been a big backlash on social media and they've behaved in some sort of way which makes you think that they are reacting to the backlash of their own fan base. And we'll get onto this later. There's be everyone knows a lot of fans have been literally throwing things at artists. <laughs> I think for us we keep having these editorial meetings where we're like, oh you know, it's happened again and then we're like, we need to cover this and then we're like, hmm you know, maybe not, like, by the time we cover this, the story's over, but it just keeps going and going and going, and we're in August now, and uh, it does feel like this has been the year of fans behaving badly. Hannah, you wrote a book about fandom, which celebrated many of the sort of positive aspects of fandom. Why is it that you think musicians play such a a big, full role in, in the lives of people that listen to them? Well, I think when you're a teenager, that's when, like, fandom really takes hold and I think it's just something that teaches you so much about yourself and Mm. about life and it's the first time you really fall in love you fall in love with music 
you start to think about like why you like things and like what things make you feel certain ways and you realize the kind of person that you want to be who you look up to and it's this like also acts as this sort of escapism which is really amazing um I think it just sort of fills this massive role for young people like in so many different ways uh it's kind of like almost hard to quantify Mm. but it's like going across like identity feelings about yourself who you want to be what kind of things you love fandom is just so big it's like really hard to pin down what it means to people was there someone that you were a particular fan of growing up i really loved courtney love and Mm. was really into like 90s stuff even though that wasn't my era because i think i just like i just wanted to be her (laughs) i wanted to dress like her i wanted to like have the impact that she seemed to have on the world myself and also just loved her music and then i think that i was a massive fan of my chemical romance because that was more of like a fandom thing Uh. and that was something where i could be a part of like a community and we were all talking about the same things like mental health and Mm. problems at school and like why we feel really misunderstood Mm, um mm. so yeah it was like two different types of fandom like the really individual kind and the sort of like yeah fandom Mm, side mm, mm. are there examples of artists that have a kind of really warm relationship with their fans that you can think of I think Billie Eilish is a good example of that I think from the outside it didn't really seem it, it kind of felt confusing like why do all these teenage girl like t- teenagers love her so much mm. and I think when you started talking to fans about it or hearing from them it was that she gave them a space to talk about mental health um, which they presumably weren't getting elsewhere um, and I think she has that background of really understanding what it's like to be a fan because she loved Justin Bieber. So that was yeah. kind of the template of how she went about fandom. Like she didn't ever want to feel like she was out of reach to her fans. So she has quite like a, per- for such a massive artist, she has quite a personable relationship with them still, even though she is more offline than she used to be. Um, or someone like Charlie XCX, where maybe it's not hmm. warm is maybe the wrong word, but like she definitely has a very creative and like two-way relationship with them. She gets it, doesn't she? She understands the the relationship and what it is. Yeah, yeah completely. The big poppers thing, right? The poppers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and the signing was it like a douche or something? Yeah. There was an Ethel Kane interview in the Guardian where she talked about wanting a much smaller fan base. There was the incident with. Doja Cat, right, where she kind of said something about if you're one of my fans, you know, you're, I can't remember what she said, you're lame or whatever. Yeah, if you call yourself a kitten, that's that's the most, you know, lame thing I've ever heard. She said that you need to get off your phone, get a job and help your parents with the house. Identify as a kitten, which is what her fan base have called themselves. Is there kind of a point when fandom is crossing a line and tipping over into this behaviour that artists are, are calling toxic? What is the sort of tipping point, do you think, with fandom? Well, I think it's more that like the veil is lifting on what we think the fan artist uh, relationship is Mm. because we've always had this idea, I think, uh, as the general public, as some, you know, anyone who's a fan of anything, you think that the artist loves you, you're their fan, you know, because they use these terms Mm. when they talk about their fandoms. Fans think they're like part of a family, they're part of a community, which like kind of is true, but it's... It, that doesn't necessarily extend to the artist actually caring about them or actually loving them. And I think 
examples of like the Doja Cat thing recently, like all the kind of things she's coming out with, like that kind of antagonistic, weird, like almost disrespectful relationship with her. She has like way she sees her fans mm. is so interesting because it's like she's literally coming out and saying like, I'm not your friend. I'm not your family. Um, I don't want any kind of relationship with you. She actually said something about like her last two albums were like a cash grab or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, and like almost just saying like, you're stupid for liking me, mm. which I can't really think of any examples where it's been that yeah. brash before. Yeah. Um, but that is interesting. And I think the artists don't, necessarily all love their fans they all have private they think they have to say these things they think they have to follow the script of like i love you you're my family because they kind of pay the bills but it doesn't necessarily mean that they in their private life they like fans or they feel comfortable with their fans mm, mm, mm. when they have to engage with them i think the um, ethel kane situation which you mentioned before matthew is a really interesting one so a bit of backstory on Ethel Kane. She's not like a huge artist, but she's definitely shooting up very quickly. So she dropped her first album, Preacher's Daughter, in March last year, I believe. She wrote and recorded most of it in her home by herself. And she was kind of unknown. And then she's become a bit of a kind of darling of the fashion scene. So she's wore for Mew Mew and she did Givenchy, right? She did, yeah. And she has created this kind of whole universe. It's a concept album about three generations of women. It's very gothic. Her kind of Instagram and her whole aesthetic is very, very considered. And it's very, very dark and very serious. Her whole music, it's really, a lot of the themes are really, really heavy. It's kind of almost, I guess, if anyone hasn't heard it, kind of a bit of a gothic take on like Lana Del Rey or something. But her Twitter account has always been hilarious. Like she has really witty mm -hmm. tweets and she's funny on TikTok and stuff. And I think in that Guardian profile, she was saying this was becoming a problem for her because her fans would heckle kind of and, and make jokes while she's trying to perform these really serious songs. And I think she said they made her feel like a performing monkey and mm. eventually she she's actually deleted a, a Twitter account because maybe there's a disconnect between sort of her fans thinking she's up for a laugh when she's performing music, which is actually very dark and, and, mm. and mm. sincere. Um, it's a strange one because I remember she when, when she first came to the UK, I went to see her on the corner at Heaven. Mm. Uh, and I thought, like, what a great audience she has. Like, she, you know, for a new artist, everyone knew the words. There was, I think there's people in tears. You know, she kissed someone in the front row. And, and you saw her in New York a yeah, bit before. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, last September. And it, it was, the, you could see that devotion from the fans. You know, it was quite Morrissey-esque, sort of reaching out and the kind of wanting to get on stage and touch her. You know, it was, it was quite something to watch even in a small venue like Webster Hall or whatever it is you know yeah it kind of made me think with Ethel Kane it's like interesting because I think in this current sort of climate for an artist to do really really well making great music isn't enough like you can mm. have a really good album but I do think that the artists are really blowing up like you know your Ice Spice or your Central Sea or your Ethel Kane they're all artists where they have this kind of universe and mm. there's this kind of narrative and these viral moments and it's their look and it's their personality and it's their story. So, you know, she, she's done really well because she's kind of lent into that. But now she's retreating from it and she's saying she actually wishes she had less fans and she wasn't as big and, you know, and she's 
turning down opportunities to collaborate with mm. big artists because she wants the whole thing to cool down a bit. I mean, the Doja Cat one, I think, is quite an extreme example, what she said. Is there anything in what Ethel Kane is saying that kind of makes sense to, to either of you? I mean, to me, yeah. I mean, first of all, I want to say, you know, like fandom, sort of intense fandom is something which there's obviously great sides to it and it's something I look out for when I'm trying to think of what artists it is, yeah. um, we should cover in the face. You know, like we... I go to a Bieber Doobie show and there's people queuing up at like 5pm outside the venue and they're all dressed like Bieber Doobie so mm-hmm. I'm like great let's cover her Pink Panthers which Hannah you profile Pink Panthers to the face similar thing Ethel Kane as well I was like wow she's got this really amazing engaged fan base and so we do celebrate that but yeah I think this thing of um, you know making jokes and heckling people or getting on Twitter and telling them they need to break up with their boyfriend or make a statement on this or that I think it's kind of this mentality we've got to where I don't know it's almost like fans kind of treating artists like zoo animals or something it reminds me of people banging on the sort of glass to try and make the the tigers Mm. react or something like that Mm. Um, so there's a part of me which even though Doja Cat has been really kind of um has been really hostile to her fans there is a part of me she thinks good for you you know Mm. Mm. Hannah how about you Fans are now seeing that they can have actual impact in the world. Like they don't have that much like autonomy over their lives. Like we don't have that much control over like our, you know, our living situation as young people, like our our jobs, um, how much money we have, how much like fun we're having necessarily. And I think that then you have this place within culture now where as a fan you can make this impact you can throw something on stage and it cr- generates this whole online like debate and as a part of a fandom you can like antagonize doja cat or like ethel kane or whoever it is and then you literally see that impact happening and i think fans probably aren't like you're not like thinking about it on that level you're not thinking like oh i'm gonna cause some drama and that's gonna have some kind of impact but i think uh, on like more of a macro level, macro level, like that's kind of what's going on, um, and I think it also kind of links to the fact that as music journalists now, there isn't this kind of like in the press we don't have the control that we used to. We don't have the ability to like shift the narrative. So like we aren't doing artists aren't relying on like magazines to do profiles and stuff on them, and that kind of controlling the narrative. And now it's kind of like fans that are controlling the narrative. Like, Mm. I think there's been this conversation about like, oh, artists can control their own narrative with social media now. Isn't that so good? But I don't think that's actually what's happening. It's like fans are the ones controlling artists' narrative now. And that's not really a good thing for artists, I don't think. Yeah, my concern about that, I mean, there's a few, but one is I've kind of, if you're on the press team or the management team of an artist... And you're like, okay, look, there's a backlash here. We need to do something. I think like what I've noticed is when an artist, uh, you know, does or says something which is deemed problematic, when you look on like TikTok or Twitter, you only really see the most like extreme reactions to it by and large. Like I think like, so if you're a publicist, you're like, oh, oh, wow, this is a really, really big problem. We need to react to this. But I think 
the version of the story that you see on your phone is different to real life. Like there's been artists who seem like they're totally cancelled whenever you look at the phone and then they fill massive venues. Look, we have to talk about the throwing things because I feel like we've asked everybody who's come on this podcast what's going on with people throwing things on stage and, and now Hannah, it's your turn. So why are people throwing things on stage? Um, number one, because literally no one, post-pandemic, no one knows how to behave anymore, particularly... <laughs> like younger people who haven't been to gigs and don't really understand what gig etiquette is. Like you saw recently, um, Taylor Swift fans, some of them were so frustrated by the way that fans, newer fans or fans in general were acting at the gigs. They made this like gig etiquette guide and were like handing it around, Um, (laughs) which is really funny. Um, She had, was it bracelets that she was getting thrown at a Taylor Swift? Yeah, I think so. Why was that? She liked bracelets or... She has I, arms. I don't know. I'm not a Swifty no. by any stretch of the David. imagination. But and then there's the more serious ones. You know, um, you know, Baby Rexa was had a phone thrown at. I think she went to hospital. Mm. Um, and then Cardi B is obviously the most recent instant where someone threw a drink. She retaliated with a microphone, which is like pretty heavy. But I think for Cardi B and her persona, I actually think those instants like that are actually quite good press for her. Mm. Um, you know, when she's beat, had court cases and stuff like that, she's referenced them in her lyrics. But I mean, this thing about throwing stuff, at, like I feel like I've seen this before TikTok, right? Like, yeah, for and it was, sure. Yeah, you know, like certain like drinks, you know, have been thrown at people. I think what started to happen is I was noticing, like mainly at rap gigs, actually, like people were throwing the phone up to get a selfie. Like, I think that happens quite a lot. Someone chucks up the phone um, and then someone, uh, and then hoping that the artist is then going to take a selfie with them and chuck it back into the crowd. Um, but this is a different thing, isn't it, right? It's like a TikTok thing because everyone wants to create like a viral moment. Yeah, I think it's that as well. It's just like, it's, yeah, so like, what what was my first point again? A is like, no one knows how to behave, yes. full stop. Mm. B is like, people want a viral moment. Mm. And C, I think it's honestly that fans want, attention from the artist and they can't really get it online anymore because you know we've seen like fans like artists are still online but I think a lot of big artists are kind of taking that step back like an Ethel Kane or you know like Billie Eilish all these big people can like they're big enough that they can step back and use social media in a very kind of specific boundaried way but I think when you have when you go to an artist show they're literally right there and you can get their attention by just throwing shit at them and i think it's yeah it's 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 so kind of it's obviously fucked up like you shouldn't be throwing stuff at somebody mm. um but it's also evidence to me of that really complicated feel the complicated feelings that are fueling fandom now like it's like love and hate and wanting attention it's it's like expressing your general like irritation at the world and your lack of agency like mm. expressing it towards these people it's almost like disrupting the algorithm i went to watch harry styles on his tour when he played at wembley it was the same show that he does every night and a lot of pop shows are obviously like that but it was so slick that you almost wanted someone to throw something on stage just to disrupt it you know and I wonder if there's part of that just wanting to glitch the algorithm slightly and see something interesting happen in these kind of very manicured you know put together shows 
Yeah, and in terms of when I think about what gets people talking about an event or what gets people um, talking about a tour and artist and like what I see on TikTok, it's really like, oh, wow, this like Lil Nas X really killed this performance. Listen to how good his vocals are or just like really good performance. It's when something unusual or controversial happens and that's what gets artist names trending and that's what gets everyone talking about a show, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And if you think about the way that we watch TikTok every day, it's like if a big artist, say 1975 are on tour and they've put on this amazing show, but it is pretty much the same shit every single time. Mm. So like, like never before really have you known what a show is going to be before you're going to go to it. Like you pretty much know, you know what the set looks like, you know kind of a set list vibe, you know the kind of things they're going to be wearing. The patterns that I saw people doing Harry Styles' stage patter, they were doing it along with it. You know, in the way that you would sing along to a song, yeah. they were talking along <laughs> as he amazing. introduced his band word for word beat for beat exactly how because he, he introduces them the same every night um so that we talked about people throwing things on on stage we've talked about kind of uh, fandoms overreaching you know in kind of artist perception let's try and summarize a, a little if we can do we think artists are, are within their right to to push back on certain aspects of things or, or do we think um do we think it's better left unsaid I am kind of leading towards if you're the sort of person who has a Twitter account where you have a photo of an artist and you don't use your real name and you spend your spare time, you know, harassing that artist on Twitter and telling them what they do with their life, I think maybe you should take some of Doja Cat's advice and help your parents with the house. <laughs> I hope the kids don't come for me for that, but I think it's maybe, maybe at least maybe you should reflect on how you spend in your time. Understood. Understood. Hannah? Yeah, I think uh, I think the fans sometimes should take a step back and be like, if I actually care about this artist and more importantly, like the work that they make in the world that they've created, is me interjecting and doing this thing and putting out this opinion and trying to control them, taking away from their ability to like actually make this art and do the thing that I love them for. And if it is, then like they should bring in an element of like self-policing or like policing within the fandom, I think, to stop that from happening. All right. Lastly, I wanted to ask you, what's your favourite um, pop star fan base name? Definitely Believers. <laughs> like, it's the best one they'll ever be. The connotations of like religion, God, being an acolyte for this like <laughs> cult leader. It has to be Believers. Um <laughs> And like when I think of whenever I hear that that name, I always think of Justin Bieber when he did um, <laughs> like Baby, and it just takes me back to that tiny little cute haircut that he had. I mean, that's like the best one for me. Mm. And the worst one is like what's the Katy Perry one? Like Ka Katie Cats. I think it's Katie. Oh, it's just gives yeah, it gives me the the ick. Mm -hmm. Davy. I think there was some debate um, among sort of the Ice Spice fan community whether or not they were going to be the Spice Rack, which doesn't work, or the mun <laughs> or the Munchkins. I think Munchkins works really well. And I was I saw Ice Spice's first ever UK performance at Wireless, and there was a lot of Munchkins in attendance, yeah. and they seemed like a very chill fan base. Good. So yeah, all powers to the Munchkins. Wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
My name is Matthew Whitehouse. Thank you to my guests, Davy Reed and Hannah Ewens. The Face podcast is recorded at Spotify HQ, recorded by Hunter Charlton. We'll see you next time.